0: Transition by Ponta Calhoun, episode 10. Let's be together in transition. Welcome to PTSD Self Healing Show a journey to self-discovery and self-healing. I'm your host, Panta Kalhor. Grief, actually, spiritual healing and the missing key to overcoming complex trauma with Erin Chandler, intuitive grief coach, author, and speaker. Please subscribe to Panta Kalhor Transition channel and order my book, Naturally Conceived, from Amazon. Thank you for listening. Recovering from PTSD is not easy for everybody. Some people recover from it very fast. Some people uh, go deeply into it and can't get rid of it. And especially if you lose a child, it's much more difficult to get up again and recover from PTSD. Today, I have very amazing guest. Her name is Erin Chandler and she's going to talk about grief and how uh, she, could, she could be recovered from grief and how she could stand and help other people to uh, talk about it and raise their voice about it and open their heart. And she's grief coach, intuitive grief coach, and she also has a program called "Grieve, Release and Connect." Welcome to our show. Erin, I'm so
1: grateful to have you today. Thank you, Panthea. I'm thrilled and honored to actually be on here with you and to be able to talk about it. Thank you.
0: Yes. All right, talk about yourself. What is your history and how did you end up to be a grief coach?
1: So I, it definitely wasn't 20 years ago had you told me I'd be doing this. Uh, definitely was not anything I could have foreseen or even imagined. So essentially, I got propelled onto this journey because of the death of my youngest daughter, which happened in 2010. So uh, compounding the, her death and the trauma of that and not being able to find somewhere to help me, uh, find any tools to help me through that or people who understood, actually catapulted me into some very heavy, deep and dark places, which uh, as far as I know, pretty much 99% of people who lose a child do go down into those places. It is part of that journey. So for me, that actually lasted a span of seven years because I had no tools. And the end result of that seven prolonged years of that was the breakdown of all of my relationships. Um, my spouse and I separated. I became very physically ill. No one could figure out what was wrong with me. Uh, I had complex PTSD the entire time and had no idea. And I also had other children that I was trying to parent at the same time. So. Over that seven-year period, it just became one loss after the other, which deepened that PTSD. There was no light. It was all dark. So I got to the point where I decided that I would end my life. And that was actually the turning point. When I made that decision to end my life, I literally went out into the woods at 5 a.m. And I yelled up and I said, or whispered, actually, I give up. God, I give up. Now, for me, I wasn't really, I hated God. I just want to tell you that it's important because I think a lot of people go through that. Like, why me? Why am I being punished? And what did I do wrong? That's part of it. So when I did that and I made the decision that, yes, I am going to end my life because I just, there's nothing. It's just reliving this over and over and it gets worse and worse. Yeah. So two days after I was in the forest and had said those exact words that I give up and decided to end my life. A woman contacted me a couple of days later saying, your deceased daughter, Ava, is coming to me crying, and she's saying that you gave up my exact words that I had said, and no one knew I had done this. Oh, did you know
0: that woman?
1: She's actually an extended family member. Okay. And the fascinating part is nobody knew what was going on. No one knew I had left my spouse and what had happened. No one knew all of the details of what I was going through, uh, but she did and Mm -hmm. told me the exact words. And she said, your daughter's saying you can't give up. So for me, that was, that was a turning point to be able to know and get confirmation and validation that you have help is, it's priceless. It's immeasurable. And that is literally the only reason that I was able to be pulled out of that dark spot to learn how to overcome PTSD, to learn why we have triggers and what the purpose is to help other people. And ultimately it ended up all being a gift for me.
0: Wow. That's so touching. I love it. Yeah. So, um, you said seven years took you, Mm -hmm. you could stand on your feet again.
1: Mm -hmm. So, what did you do during these years nothing that's the thing there was i tried a couple things i shouldn't say nothing i tried uh, traditional therapy Mm -hmm. Um, that did not go over well i tried group therapy with other bereaved parents that also set me back rather than helping me and um, between those two things and my family and friends Not knowing how to help me, and many people turning their back and walking away. I lost a lot of people in my life when I needed them the most. Um, The isolation of living with PTSD and grief and trauma, and to have it compounded with not having support or getting support and it actually takes you backwards or deeper into it, that was my experience. And that's why I sat in it for seven years and it just progressively got worse and worse and worse.
0: And then after seven years, what happened uh, that you finally decided to?
1: Uh, it was, li- yeah, so it was literally that moment where that woman came to me and said, no, your daughter's coming. Oh, that to me.
0: was seven years later, right?
1: Seven years wow. later. Yeah. So that's why I say I had to get so bad that I decided to end my life for somebody, for the universe, I guess you could say, to step in and say, hey, we got you. We're going to help you. But you're here for a reason.
0: So how, what did you start? Where did you go?
1: So from there, um, I actually did exactly what was asked of me from, I guess, spirit, the universe, my daughter. Um, she asked me to find a fit for an actual clinical um, therapist, psychologist, um, not because there's a lot of psychologists that aren't a fit when you first go. It's a process to find one. Um, that was the first thing. The second thing was I needed to cut toxic people. Um, the third thing was recognizing triggers and what questions was I asking and what was I actually telling myself. And the, I think one of the biggest factors for me is I didn't feel safe. I didn't no. feel safe in the world. Well, How come? Uh, I think it was just understanding when, you know, when the medical system failed me, when the justice system failed me, the police, um, the police agency that I was dealing with uh, really did not pick up the tab and did the opposite of what was needed. It was like one thing after the other compounded me. And it was the realization that I have no control. And I think that's consistent for people with PTSD you feel like you have no control something has happened to you and that's really hard to overcome because it is true there are circumstances where we have no I could never have controlled whether my daughter lived or died
0: yes and that's only you to help yourself at first place that's right because you have a choice to go there deeply Mm -hmm. or One day you just tell yourself, okay, that's it. I'm going to change it. Mm -hmm. Because I have the same experience, not losing my very close one. I I lost my aunt and I was really attached to her, but it was not my child or my um, parents. Mm -hmm. But still, there was somebody that I really loved her and I was really attached to her. But I saw her suffering from cancer and she was, it was worse and worse. One day I was praying and saying, I really wish um, she stay alive. And she came to my dream one day and I just felt that she, she, um, uh, tell me, (laughs) she pat me. And then she said, let me go. I'm suffering from this pain I can't I can't endure it I need to go and then that moment I told myself okay if she is happy with this then I let her go Mm -hmm. and then the day after she died and uh, still when I talk about it I feel so heavy but because I knew that she was suffering and then she wanted to be released from this pain, then that's the only thing could satisfy
1: me mm-hmm.
0: from losing
1: her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's beautiful that you had that experience, Pantya. A lot of people don't get to have that experience or aren't aware of it or wouldn't welcome it or embrace it. But that, that is beautiful. I'm so happy that you did. And I think for, for a lot of us, we feel like it's a loss. It's really the loss of the physical because she's still around you. Clearly if she can connect with you yes. in that consciousness space to say, I, I need to let go. This is really hard. She's letting you know, preparing you. Right. But there our loved ones are always around us, trying to help us, trying to show us those things. And, uh, It has been one of the greatest tools that I have used both for myself, um, both in helping my clients and for my clients to be able to communicate with them on their own too. And we all have grief. Great, yeah.
0: You're so inspiring, (laughs) I'm telling you. But how can we start? Let's say um, we are hit by trauma and I know we need a gap. Because for me, I was, I was hit by trauma a few times in my life. This is happening for everybody. Mm-hmm. But for some people, it's more difficult and deeper than others. And not everybody can uh, tolerate it the same way. Uh, but when it happened to me, every time I just try to have some gap for myself, you cannot be happy the same day that you lose your loved one. It's impossible. And you cannot be happy if you're getting divorced or let's say you have an accident, you lose some part of your body or something happened to you spiritually or physically. It needs some recovery time. But we, we can um, we can get some help and support from others even during this uh, recovery time, or we can um ex- uh, expedite this recovery time
1: mm-hmm.
0: to get uh, to get recovered sooner. Yes, so what is your recommendation? What are the tips that we can get recovered earlier, sooner?
1: Yeah, so I can only speak of my experience and share that in helping others. And for me, my experience in actually sharing this has helped people. It's not for everybody. um, But I do feel like if things aren't working and you're not making progress and you want to overcome it, you have to be willing to go into your unknowns. You have to be willing to try things that maybe you didn't try before, so definitely a recovery period, Pantya, it's needed. I think physically, emotionally, and mentally, we actually give ourselves a recovery period of that shock, almost like the fog, all of those things. I feel like those are built into us in order to allow us that recovery period regardless. Um, there's also this concept that there's a timeline and time will heal wounds. So when it comes to PTSD, when it comes to grief and trauma, time doesn't heal that. It's literally what you do with that time. So mm-hmm. there's recovery time, there's self-care time. Um, there is a time for uh, registered psychologists or therapy. I do feel that those have a place. I do feel like people do benefit from those things such as, uh, EMDR. Um, there's multiple ways of doing EMDR. That's one of the tools that I ended up using with a psychologist. What is it? Can you yeah, explain? Yeah. So it's so EMDR is like eye movement. Um, I can't, I can't remember what the full
0: EMDR name is.
1: Yeah, so it's like an eye movement um, desensitization regulating. So essentially what happens is, I don't think that's the right outlay of that acronym, uh, but what happens in it is, is you either have, you can do sounds, you can do tapping, you can look from side to side, and you recall or relive that traumatic memory or a piece of it. And as you do that, you're doing that switch in eyes. So let's say you're doing the eye movement, switching them side to side. Um, You're going to redo that story in a way that it empowers you while you're doing it. So basically it reprograms that memory from being a traumatic one that triggers um, erratic heartbeats, sweating, fear, because that's what happens, right? When we hit a trigger, we we relive a portion of it we're hit physically mentally and emotionally we have all those symptoms so the idea behind EMDR is that it reprograms that so it puts you in a power so it takes that memory and instead of you recalling it as all of those physical mental emotional things of the trauma it brings you to a place of empowerment or calming it down so it's almost like you change the story mm-hmm. in that concept and they use that side to side eye movement um, tapping mm-hmm. Uh, things like that. They have. There's a couple of different ways you can do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So that
1: is something that I did. For me, I went through all of my um, therapy with my psychologist in EMDR, not being able to tell her that my deceased daughter was talking to me, telling me what I needed to recall, where the actual root of the trauma was, what was compounding it and what I actually needed to do with it. Mm -hmm. So I went through therapy, not telling my therapist this piece of it for fear that they're gonna take away my other children. She's gonna think I'm crazy and put me on pills or all these other things. But I would be lying if I didn't tell you in all honesty that the reason that that therapy worked was not because of just the therapy. It was because I was getting direction from my loved ones in spirit to help me to further that. Because a lot of people go through PTSD and EMDR and it just allows them to be functional. And we don't go through these traumas and these hard things to just be functional and get through the day. So it's like we have this level of what we knew was happy before. And once we have a traumatic event, our normal becomes this bottom line thing here where it's like, okay, if I can just be happy one day a month, that's good enough and that's my norm. And that really isn't the purpose of the trauma that we go through. There is a purpose in it. It really is to unhinge all of the things that have happened, all the layers. We have our childhood traumas that compound it, all of those things. So when we're talking about tips of speeding up the process, accessing the unseen, accessing help from, you know, people look at it as guides, angels, our deceased loved ones, god whatever you prescribe to when you can access that and hear the response it allows you to feel safe it allows you to take a step forward and it definitely speeds up that process so that seven year period when i actually started to get help after the seven year period it was within a year well Year. well Right, and does that mean that I never have days where you know I feel sad, or I never you know I never have things where I remember something and say, oh, that was really sad? No, of course I have that. I'm a human being. You don't love and lose them, and that's just gone because you connect with them on the other side. So I talk to my daughter all the time, but I there you still have those um, days where you know what? I'm going to cry. It's been a journey. I would love to have her here as a ten year old running around right now but that's not the case. So I feel like for me, that was paramount. No amount of therapy, traditional therapy was ever going to get me to the place I am now. And it's the same for my clients. If things aren't working and you're inclined to try something spiritually or try something different that maybe isn't mainstream, if you're drawn to it, it's because you're supposed to explore it. I mean, we typically look outside of ourselves we're told mm-hmm. that, you know, you go to therapists, you take a pill, it'll make it better. We treat symptoms. No, treat
0: t- no pills are not the ultimate way. It's there no. temporary.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know. So if there's anything I learned, it's that uh, my healing journey begins within, not without. And Exa- I love it. I did not have any answers. Um, they could maybe sympathize, um, give me a couple tools here and there, but ultimately... It came down to me. I had to make that choice. Yeah.
0: You know what I love about uh, your talk? You said about the unknowns. That's what I did when I hit with another trauma. <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody robbed my car, threw me out of the car, and threatened me with knife point. I talk about it in my another book, Rules of Change for the Better. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm saying change because I started changing my life after that mm-hmm. so when i'm saying change i totally change my life path i went to another country study um start um, and i started starting and um trying many new things and then i my mind didn't have time to get back there and think about what happened before I didn't use any of those methods you, you told me mm-hmm. because I didn't want to repeat this in my mind that uh, somebody is going to heal me, threaten me. This is very painful but because I had um, back pain and all of these pains, uh, physical pains for, uh, f- for a year almost. But after that, I had lots of nightmares, r- lots of mental problems. As I I was taught, I I thought somebody's gonna follow me and gonna kill me. Mm -hmm. But but it took time. Finally, I could recover from it because I wanted it inside. And then I try new things. I try to overcome my fears and I try to confront uh, with new stuff, new things. When you try to learn new languages, when you turn, when you. Uh, you are trying to adopt with new country and immigration, you know you, then you don 't have time to get back and think about other stuff <laughs> yeah and then you 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 just realize, wow, there is another world, and there are other many good things that you can experience, even if you had trauma before in your life so uh, after sometimes. It didn't even come to my dreams. So I don't feel painful or anything about it. I don't feel anything about it. But so I try not to think about it. So but for um, the method you said, they try to uh, reprogram it, Mm reprogram it. I don't know that method. I know that's going to work for many people, but Mm -hmm. I I didn't use it. That's good to know. And that's good to learn, though.
1: Yes, yeah, so, and you know what's fascinating about what you've just described, Pantia? Yes. So you it's true, when we do something that we've not done before, even if it's something minor or little, it automatically puts us in the present moment. You can't think about the past. I love that, yes, yeah. yes. Because post-traumatic stress disorder literally is, you are reliving that past. It's almost like you're yeah, trying yeah. to move forward in the future But your past is still coming forward with you. And that's why we have that post-traumatic stress disorder. That's why it happens because we're trying to move forward in the future. But the past is still coming. But doing that new thing or going into the unknown forces you to be right here, right now. You, You can't be back there and you can't be up there. So that, what you did inherently, naturally, really is brilliant because that is what we need to do.
0: Yes, thank um, you, yes.
1: So that's awesome.
0: You know, that's uh, what I did because I knew that I, I really wished to live. That moment when somebody going to kill you and then you you feel that, oh, you're safe. You're still living. That great moment, I didn't think about my pains, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm alive. I can still live, you know? That's why um, I had a different story. Uh, I I know losing a child is very traumatic. It's totally different, totally different from what I experienced before. I had a friend that she also lost her child and um, for her took years to overcome, but, uh, she She was young enough to have other kids
1: Yes,
0: and that's uh, trauma replaced with joy and uh, making her busy with raising her kids. Mm-hmm. So you know different situations are different, but we all, we always we are always given choices, options, and we have mission to help others also to be recovered from this trauma if we've been there before. Mm -hmm. That's what you do
1: right now. Exactly, yeah. So, and you are correct. There There are so many different types of trauma and so many horrible things that happen that each one is, it's very different. And yet there is a similar line of things that happen in it. So the concept of I can't control this this event, this traumatic event. It doesn't matter if it's a child dying, if it's a rape, um, if it's abuse, if it's being robbed, if it's being in that space of somebody saying, I'm going to kill you. Um, those events, when we are moving forward, we can't change what's happened to no, us. No, we can't. That's happened and, before. Yeah. And we can't control what somebody no. else does. And the only thing we have control of is looking at it and saying, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to live in fear? Am I going to replay this all the time? Am I going to feel like the world is against me or am I going to do something with this? Am I going to make this into, um, something that wholly transforms me? So the reason for me personally, and I'm not a clinical psycho uh, psychologist or therapist or trained. I literally go by the guidance of people's deceased loved ones. And for some reason, It uncovers things that they did with a psychologist that never came through or healed or things like that. So when we are willing to take the event that has happened to us, because oftentimes trauma is something happening to us, we feel powerless, we feel like a victim, Um, it's very scary, it can make us feel unsafe. When we can take that event and ask a different question, Mm -hmm. that changes everything everything so like for grief and losing a child you cannot not think about it you can't change the you know the concept because some people say you know change your thoughts change your life I totally agree with that however when it comes to something like losing a child you can't change your thoughts you have to explore them feel them and go way down deep into what they're trying to tell you you have to go through it you can't Um, flip the switch and I think depending on the traumas and depending on people's childhood and what their taught beliefs are really play a big part in how people actually deal with trauma Mm -hmm. a lot of times we perpetuate and play out what our parents did our grandparents did or maybe it's our poverty level or uh, alcoholism or all those things can play a part in how we deal with the trauma that happens to us so I think you're an epic example of being able to say, you know what? I am not going to accept that I'm a victim. I'm going to do something to help myself and I'm going to empower myself. And I'm not only going to overcome this, I'm going to use it to help other people. That literally is the purpose. It's like the hero's journey.
0: Exactly. I love this heart and I love this inspiration. I love it. So uh, you have a program called Grief Release and Connect. Why do you call it like that? I love it. So
1: the reason I call it that is uh, essentially it's a three-month program and what happens in the three-month program is you're not grieving for your loved one, you grieve with them. So you process your grief of their loss with them. You're in full communication with them both through myself and I teach my clients how to communicate and get a response themselves so basically if you were to do the Grieve, release and connect program Pontia, you let's say you were doing it with your aunt you anything conversation that you never got to have anything you didn't understand you get to have that conversation in this program and you learn how to connect with her whether it's seeing her hearing her feeling her like you felt her pat um, those are all real they're, they're so real that once you have compound interest, I call it. So once you have a couple of experiences, the door comes wide open. So I'm basically there as a guide teaching you how to open it, how to understand those connections, and you end up healing your, um, I use the chakra system within it as well. You end up healing your childhood traumas um, in relationships that you have with other people, whether it's family, children, spouses, uh, parents, things like that. That all gets openly talked about, and at the end of it, you walk away feeling like a totally different person because you've healed the, all of these things that have been with you, and you spend the rest of your life communicating with your loved ones who guide you, who let you feel safe. So you grieve. You grieve with them. Yeah, you
0: shouldn't pass the grief one. No, because you, need, you need you need to it. grieve. You can't be happy. Then you lose somebody. This exactly. is exactly is what I experienced. This is
1: impossible. It is, yeah. And we, you know, we live in the happy guru world. Our society yes. really is if you're not happy, if you're not um, financially prosperous, if you don't have this car, or you don't have this accreditation or whatever it is, that maybe you're doing it wrong or you're less than. Well, that's all bullcrap. Yes. All of it.
0: I believe in it. Yeah. Yes. You're you, right.
1: If you avoid the grief, it will plague you for your whole life and it will manifest in other ways. So we grieve, we release the traumas and the hurts, we process them, and then we connect with the universe, God, angels, guides, and our loved ones.
0: Do you have also some experience about childhood trauma? Because that's what we can't control. Yes. And I think that's, that's more deeply... Rooted. Uh, affect us because those days you're you feel so w- uh, vulnerable, you cannot control it. You you feel powerless, yes. and because you're a child, and this gonna stay with you for the rest of your life. How can you
1: change that? So, the only that's not my specialty, but often that is. Every time I do a reading, something about childhood comes up. Every time I have a client who goes to the program, it's something will come up. Essentially what happens in re it's not really reprogramming, but it's understanding it's being able to look at the perspective of your childhood but outside of it. So yes, your childhood determines so many things that we carry through into our adulthood. So I've had things come up for people who were physically, mentally, sexually, emotionally abused by their parents or by a step-parent, by their siblings. There's a lot of alcoholism. There's a lot of drug use. What happens for my clients, when you work directly with all of your universal guides, spirit, and loved ones, they pinpoint a memory that is specific to it. It allows that person to recall that actual memory. And then they guide them through the actual emotion that they need to acknowledge. So for example, if you have a parent who is a narcissist, let's say say my mother was a narcissist. She wasn't for the record, but let's say that that was the case. I'm going to grow up feeling like, I'm responsible for everyone else's feelings. I'm going to grow up feeling like my only value is in giving all of myself to others with no boundaries. I'm going to grow up feeling like I am unworthy because my mother, the person who's supposed to love me and support me, thinks that I'm really a piece of garbage. So I'm going to go through my whole adult life feeling that childhood trauma. So healing the inner child, that piece of it, you do have to be able to acknowledge at least one memory of where that came from in order to heal it. Because once you've seen it and you recognize that that story you've been telling yourself of your whole life was never actually yours when you were born, you didn't think that. And here's this person who's supposed to be teaching you, loving you, supporting you, um, just engaging and empowering you doing the exact opposite. We carry that. But when you actually see it, you, it's a totally different story. It's all of a sudden, it's like, I'm not stupid. I was just told that over and over again. And that's their belief because that's what they believe about them, not what I actually am. So it's really enlightening. Or it's, You feel lighter and you you have the ability to be able to say, that wasn't mine. And then you get to release it. I love it. Yeah. Childhood trauma, I I don't think there's anyone who gets through childhood without something that shapes, everything shapes and molds us in those things. Uh, And it really is the deepest rooted program we will ever have throughout our life. Yes. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many people you go through to change a thought. If you haven't identified where that thought originated or that feeling originated in your childhood, you're always going to revert back to it no matter how much triggers
0: exactly because you remember um what happened in your childhood you try to remind yourself what your parents did to you or so it's it's so difficult it's it's much deeper than uh, when Mm -hmm. you you don't have that trauma and you suddenly um hit by a trauma in your adulthood this is two different categories because you are aware of yourself Mm -hmm. and acknowledge yourself. It's easier to be healed when um, you are there. As for me, it was much easier because um, I, I had a good childhood Mm -hmm. and I didn't have that problem. But when happened to me, I had to discover myself and I had to, work on myself to do some personal development and that was a very big awakening call for me but uh, yes it's, it's it's just two different stories but everything can be healed it's not that just you are powerless you can't do any movement i know a lot of people they had childhood trauma in the past but but they have very successful marriage they have beautiful kids and they decide to be much better parent for their kids
1: exactly yeah so, so it sometimes happen. it yes. is yeah and i am a firm believer that both through my own experience and watching multiple other parents other people going through trauma the purpose of trauma is not to hold us down the purpose of trauma is to break us open into that self discovery journey, because what happens in that journey, when you embrace that breaking open is you find how incredible you are. You find your strength, you find your empowerment, you find your purpose, you find all the reasons why you are very much really part of this world. There are no accidents. So we look at trauma as, you know, this terrible thing. And it is, but I can't help but notice that is literally the catalyst that leads most people into discovering the beauty and the amazingness that they are. And without it, we never really go on that journey. We don't really learn through, you know, happy, joy, joy. We're very much a species that um, it's almost like we need that push or that dissatisfaction or that trauma or the rug being pulled out from under us, which is a lot of trauma, in order to facilitate that. We learn through opposites. Why isn't there any gurus that say, oh, I just decided one day to go on a journey of self-discovery and learned all these amazing things. There aren't any gurus that did that. It's all been trials and tribulations and getting through traumas and hardships and struggles because that's when you find out what you're made of. Yes,
0: you need some initiator, some Mm -hmm. some place that you have to work on yourself and it just awakening that you need to reshape your dreams reshape your mentality everything and I think something come up here uh, you uh, you feel that you are more grateful about what you have and what as a blessing Mm -hmm. like uh, when you live for years alone like um, myself, I came, uh, when, when I immigrated, I used to be alone for a long time. And then I got married, I have family. Then you feel more blissful when you have your family around. It's you true. Know? So all those, all those traumas, all those loneliness, and all those discoveries get you to some place that you feel more grateful and you feel joy inside yourself. Mm-hmm. And right now you have two kids, two more kids. Then you feel um, more connected to them. And every moment that you look at them, you, you are much happier than before. Because now you, you know what does that mean to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And seeing, seeing
1: them grow. And you know it's interesting, Pantia, because my oldest daughter is sixteen, so she actually experienced the death of her sister with me. So okay. she went through that process with me. And um, the fascinating thing about this is, in that seven-year period, because I didn't have support, because I mentally was not okay, but didn't know that I was that this was PTSD over and over. Um, because I didn't have any tools and I didn't have support and I didn't have any of those things, I wasn't able to give that to my daughter either. So it's almost like I became unable to parent her in a healthy way as I would if I hadn't lost a child. And I also became very afraid. So in turn, instead of being, you know, let's try everything and explore, I actually went to the opposite because for me, it was like, okay, my life can change in a blink of an eye. And if I don't watch everything my children do, they might die too. That was, what, that was my thought process. And it's not everybody's. Um, but it is, a, so there is beauty in the other children. I know that my children are supported by God guides angels. And I know, I know that now. Because of that spiritual component, Um, if I need help, I just ask my other daughters. So I have a daughter on who's crossed over and deceased helping me with my, with her siblings who are living. Um, it's really quite fascinating, but I did go through a period where I was so afraid, feeling unsafe, like I couldn't control whether my children lived or died that I all, that I went to the opposite extreme. It was, um, They couldn't do things on their own. You know, to ride a bike, my fear that maybe they were going to fall trumped the fact that they're going to ride their bike. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So it can go both ways and it depends on the support you have. If you don't feel safe and you don't have support, good luck. Yep. And many of us don't. There's not a, PTSD is an unseen, it's an, it's unseen. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I broke my arm and you can see it and we're going to fix it. Because these are emotional. These are not physical. Yeah. yeah." Right. And the thing is about the emotional PTSD, it eventually manifests physically because of that emotional component. So because it's so unseen, it just gets dismissed. And we're made to feel like, oh, I should be okay. If they're telling me I should be okay or I should get through this. And other people are like, oh, you should let that go. You should be over it by now we tend to listen to all these other people instead of recognizing hey i've really been through something and i need time i need support and i need space but because it's unseen we tend to dismiss it and just go along with all the people outside of us telling us what we should be so
0: how did you help your daughter to get over it whenever when when actually after that seven years period when you realize that you need help and support did you go together or how did you help her
1: so we actually went separately so initially i went i went on my own so i had a full mental breakdown a full mental background um diagnosed with dissociative dissociative disorder complex ptsd uh, it was a full leveling of everything once um, things broke down in my relationship when no one could figure out what was wrong with my health. I was down to just just over a hundred pounds. I could barely get out of bed. Um, I was really not in a great place. So my oldest daughter, here's the fascinating thing. She, during that seven years, it didn't matter how close she was with a friend or another family member. She never told anyone that she had a sister or that she had died. However, when I decided to get help, And I said to my daughter, I'm not okay, and I haven't dealt with this. And I explained to her why I wasn't okay. I explained to her why this was not normal, how we were living. It's, I Ultimately, it's almost like I gave her permission to actually grieve and get help at that point, because it wasn't until I got help that she was able to have a conversation with me about it. And it wasn't a big secret for her anymore. So she, yeah. So she did go to a separate therapist. There's a lot of, um, in the death of a child, it affects everything. It affects your marital relationship. It affects your other children. It affects your extended family. It affects your belief in God or non-belief in God. It affects your health. Like there's nothing that is not touched by the loss of a child. Mm -hmm. So I always say you can't, it's hard to grieve with people who are struggling in grief themselves because there's no roadmap for grief. There's no one way to do it. So to, be, to have two people, like a husband and wife, that are grieving, they're not going to grieve the same. And we often look to our spouse because they're the only one who knows what we've just been through, like at the very core of it. Yet they process it totally differently. It is invaluable to be able to have somebody outside your sphere who's yes. a- understands where you've been who be has overcome it to some extent and can offer without judgment and a safe place for you to explore some of those things it is invaluable to have someone outside that sphere to work through things i like it. Than relying on your immediate family to deal with it because they're they're because they're,
0: they're, they're, they're both tired Yeah, You know, uh, that's the same experience when two people work in the same place. Mm -hmm. I've seen it with my own eyes. Let's say they're working same place in hospital or both Mm -hmm. medical doctor or whatever. Because they're doing this together, they're both tired. And it's so difficult to communicate when they're tired. Mm -hmm. And then it's getting worse and worse unless... Uh, they have something uh, outside to help them when mm-hmm. they are getting tired or because when they are uh, when they can't communicate when they are exhausted and they can't communicate communicate they cannot heal each other exactly they cannot support each other
1: it's the blind leading the blind <laughs>
0: that's it's why the blind. they get separated yes. and again i saw uh, another example So many examples, the couples go through this together and then they have to separate Mm -hmm. to different directions because they are both tired, they fight a lot and they just, they say, oh, you are guilty for this, you are guilty for this, you know, so they can't compromise. Exactly. That's what happened.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that's very commonplace. The, uh, especially for bereaved parents, the divorce level is through the roof. Uh, same with alcoholism, extreme health issues manifesting a health issue shortly after the death of a child, um, addictions, very very prevalent, and it really comes down to that we don't have the support or the understanding that's needed to be able to process those things. So everything breaks down. We turn to something because the emotional pain is so intense. I get it. Like you do need some kind of reprieve from it. And unfortunately when it's grief um, in that capacity, there really is very little reprieve from that. And a lot of people look at it as, you know, it's just for, you know, the three months or maybe six months or a year for most people the second year is worse than the first when it comes to parents yeah that is a consistent thing not all of them it depends on what they've done with their time what support they have their beliefs all of those things play a factor but yet there's really the purpose of grief is to break our hearts wide open it's to allow us to feel more to live more to be more and it's also to bring us into community. And unfortunately, in our society, with, when it comes to grief, we isolate, we yes. ignore, we walk away because it's uncomfortable. We can't fix it. We don't want to say the wrong thing, so we just take a step back. And unfortunately, uh, for someone who's bereaved, we need people to lean in. They don't have to make it better. We just need to know that they're there.
0: And one of the problem is. Isolation with isolation, because then you are isolated too much. Yes, and you you don't try to connect with others. Then after sometimes, you want to suicide. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's the truth. Yeah. So you have to try to connect with each with each other with your friends. Go out. I know it's so difficult, mm-hmm. but at least you come out from your mm, preoccupied mind for for a while. Yes. And you have to connect and this connection, it's exchanging energies and exchanging ideas. Mm-hmm. And you can, um, you may never even talk about what, what you've been through. You don't need to talk about what, whatever you're not very comfortable with, but at least you are trying to spend some time in another way. Like going to theater or, I don't know, for a, for a cup of coffee. After some time, you're going to use used to it and everything going to be changed.
1: Exactly. And, you know, the other thing that I want to just tag on to that. Yes. Uh, it is self-care. Self-care is the number one thing we don't do. We don't do it. And when we do do it, we have guilt over it. Well, I should be doing this, or I should be looking after my kids, or all these shoulds. But the reality is, is when you have grief and trauma, you need need to put you first. And as a society, we're not taught that right? That's kind of foreign for us. That was something I had to learn. So whether that's going to a yoga class or going swimming or getting out in nature, going for a walk with someone, you don't have to talk to them, but just being in the company of another person um, is paramount. Self-care has more power than anything else because we need to be filled with love. We need a reprieve. We need a time to recover. And uh, self-care allows us to do that, to put back into us. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, especially women, actually, I feel like yes. we don't do yeah. that because we put our families first and we come last. But how am I going to fill my kid's cup and be the best mom I can be and be totally present if my cup is empty because I didn't take care of me? How am I going to do it so definitely and, so
0: um, in my book Rules of change for the weather i have a, uh, I have a rule mm-hmm. I'm saying about exercise and movement It's so interesting you see when um, when you are doing exercise mm-hmm. uh, after sometimes your body is changing and you are uh, trying uh, to um, trying to push your body to change mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you feel much lighter, much uh, happier, you know? Yeah. Uh, so this rule, re- this rule uh, really focuses on movements. How you try to move is, it's just physically or mentally and spiritually uh, really help you to move forward and, uh, try to peel off your skins and peel off your layers one by one by one because yeah. when you sit somewhere heavy and just isolated and deep thinking about yourself nothing is gonna move when uh, these traumas happen to me i try start i try to swimming a lot mm-hmm. and uh, first it, it is so difficult because you're not ready for moving. But as soon as you try to move, after sometimes your body wants to change, you know? I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change. All of your uh, cells in your body wanna change and wanna move from the place you've been there to somewhere lighter and happier. But if you just go there and think, oh, I'm so miserable, I can't change. I can, you know, this, not,
1: this, this is not gonna help you. Mm-hmm. Yes, true. And I think physical exercise really plays a big component because, so if you look at the context of that connection between mind, body, and spirit, so we have, here's how I, here's how I understand it from just a universal realm and just the information that I've had and both through working with clients and the information they've been given. So when we have a thought, it translates into we have an emotion associated with our thoughts. doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes we're like, oh, I don't care about that. But oftentimes when it comes to trauma or grief, we have very deep emotions that are associated with that thought. So your emotional and your mind are connected. But then that emotion settles into your physical body. If you're stuck, whether it's in grief, in trauma, in anger, in guilt, whatever that is, you literally have to move that energy, not just through your mind, but physically move that energy out.
0: That's the point. Yeah.
1: So it's kind of like, you know, the concept when you, there's this person who's really, um, I had one client. So she had this person who really um, emotionally and mentally abused her. And over, over decades and decades, she literally went to a gym with a punching bag and, exerted all of that all of that pain into that punching bag only to discover she felt relieved she felt lighter she's crying the whole time she's punching the punching bag it's irrelevant what it looks like the point is she's moving energy and that energy was never really hers to begin with it's just her response to somebody else's energy put on her i love
0: talking to you
1: I love talking to you I don't (laughs) want to
0: stop it. I love it, really. That's that's how it happens because I can feel Mm -hmm. trauma. I can feel my experience and how I I was recovered from it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. These are the steps that we've been through and it's working, actually working.
1: Yes. It does. It actually works. Like it's not this, you know, big thing over here like, oh, that might work or that's a little bit this or that's a little bit that. It literally is proof in the pudding, I guess you could say. There's people who, that's the case for me, that's the case for you, that's the case for my clients, and I'm sure your clients were doing, if it wasn't possible, we wouldn't be doing it. If it wasn't possible, we wouldn't have those results. Yes. And most people, I think, Pantia, don't realize there's another avenue. So it's almost like, hold on, there's a way that I can get to over there. What is it? People don't realize that there's another avenue, that that is possible because they're mm-hmm. so isolated. There they're, is
0: hope. There is yeah. there is other path. And there is life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you are also a bestseller author. I see your books there on the shelf. Yes. Yes. yes.
1: I actually wrote my first book is called Love You, Ava Baby. And that came out, um, it originally came out online, I want to say in uh, late 2018 and then it is in bookstores as well so it was picked up by a publisher and put into bookstores so that's available there and it, it's actually in detail the story of my daughter's life and death all of the aftermath including the processes of that PTSD the loss yeah. of trauma including the story of how she actually showed up and how she helped me heal all of these things to do with PTSD. So I really wrote that first book because I can talk about it as much as I want to, but to actually read the whole process from beginning right through till now, it's a whole other story. You get to be in that story with me. Um, And I, yeah, I've had a lot of great feedback and it was really cathartic to write it. And I, yeah, it's, it's an incredible story. Even I am shocked sometimes. At what actually happened and the power of the universe and the things that came together. They even they shocked me. They still shock me with my clients. Yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing um, to think about all of the things that we don't know that the universe has our back and is helping us to know. So that was my first book. And then I ended up writing a second book. It's called The Spirit Connection, mm-hmm. which is actually the step-by-step guide, a generalized view of that how to start connecting with your loved one in spirit. It is uh, directed towards bereaved parents uh, in that context, because that was my journey. But it doesn't matter whether you've lost a child, whether you've lost a parent, a grandparent, um, a sibling. It's always going to be the same process to connect with them. Mm -hmm. So, yes, so I did do both of those.
0: Thank you so much, Irene. I really love what we talk about and... I'm 100% sure my audience also love it because uh, it shows you you you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You should be hopeful and you never give up on your dreams and getting recovered from PTSD. This is a way and this is a hope. Uh, You are not victim. You shouldn't sacrifice your life for whatever happened in the past. There is present. Present is a gift. Yes. And there is a future, bright future that you can still live.
1: Exactly. It's just having hope. Hope is literally the most powerful tool. And thank you so much for having me on your Pantia. It, honestly, just to be able to share that there is hope and there is another way, I feel is one of the most powerful, powerful things that someone can hear when they're really struggling. Yes. Thank, so thank
0: you so much, so- Erin.
1: Thank you.